0: wanna we talk a lot about fighting for every worker. When we say every worker, who do we really mean? Who's being left out of the workforce right now because they don't have access to jobs and training opportunities?
1: Our guest today is someone who knows that. Cross-sector, everyone is needed for the future of how we're going to work. And I'm not sure that everybody's been invited yet. And this guest is someone who works tirelessly every day to make sure that the
0: people who haven't been invited are getting the resources they need to access opportunities within our workforce. That guest is a pillar of the Newark community and a great friend of the whole One Huddle team, Shade McDaniel. Shadé is the vice president and city leader at the All-Stars Project of New Jersey, a nonprofit after-school development program that uses a performance-based approach to transform the lives of youth in poor communities. Today is an impactful nonprofit leader and social entrepreneur who has spent over 15 years in the local, state, and federal nonprofit sector. She provides innovative community-based education to thousands of young people, their families, and underserved communities using innovative performance-based approaches to human development. Today works with activists, corporations, philanthropists, youth, community members, all to build environments for growth and social transformation. Today has improved the lives of so many young people and she's an expert when it comes to community, youth development, nonprofit leadership, and what DEI actually looks like. It's why I really wanted to chat with her today. We're excited to have her on the pod.
1: Our conversation covered a ton of different topics, like how- Employers really miss out on a, on a very eager and talented pool of applicants because poor young people or poor people are just not included and how organizations and talent leaders can work to change that because... It's not like they don't want the opportunity. A lot of the times it's that young people don't know the opportunity even exists. We also talked about the power of play and how the all-stars tap into kids' sense of play because... If we didn't wanna play, if we didn't wanna improv this moment, we would have been stuck. Today also had some important
0: insights on how we can get past the space of diversity, equity, and inclusion
1: to get to a space of true belonging and ownership. It's one thing to get a bunch of people in a room who look different, but it means nothing if they don't know how to be together. This is an episode you definitely won't wanna miss. So let's bring it in.
0: I wonder how well talent leaders do at thinking about all of their workers and where their workers go home to at night Mm. and what their experiences are when they consider different strategy and initiatives. So what's yeah. like one thing that you've learned that you feel is?
1: One thing I've learned for sure, especially working in Newark, um, employers really miss out on a, on a very eager and talented pool of applicants because poor young people or poor people are just not included. It's a huge talent pool. Of poor people in Newark that are overlooked, left out, shut out, and you know, if if we can just really take a look at what it means to engage, um, support poor people, young people to gain access, because one of the biggest issues, Sam, isn't that our young people or young pe- or people growing up in Newark or growing up in inner cities, it's not like they don't want the opportunity. A lot of the times is that young people don't know the opportunity even exists. Like when you talk to some of our kids, they literally talk about the people over there that wear the suits that go do that thing. Like it's, it's like two different worlds. So they, they actually have no idea <laughs> that there's opportunities outside of the radius that they usually walk. So really how do you, at least the work that I do, is really work on bringing young people into the mainstream, giving them access so they, they even see that possibilities exist because that's that's the gotcha gotcha. It's like everybody can put things in front of kids and be like, hey, you know, you need to go to school. You need to go to college. You need to do that. Like, you put all these oppor- opportunities in front of them but if they don't see them as opportunities, they're not gonna embark on them. So we I just think employers are just missing out on a, on a huge talent pool when it comes to Poor people working with young kids who are growing up poor, um, and really, what's needed is to give them the support, give young people and poor people the support to develop, you know, the capacity to see things and, and see beyond, you know, their own four-block radius.
0: And a big part of your program is winning internships for, uh, you know, for your students. Why do you? Why are internships so valuable?
1: Yeah. Internships is, I think that's the game changer for our young people, honestly. It's, internships has so many different um, avenues for growth and development. And I'm saying that like that because it's not only the young people that develop from these internships. So long story short, internships are of course opportunities for our young people to not necessarily learn how to produce something or or produce an outcome for uh, an employer, but for them to build intimate relationships with people who don't look like them, for them to go outside of their comfort zone, go outside of their four-block radius, into these skyscraper buildings, into the boardroom for the first time, and start to realize that this is a part of their world, that these are places that they can be. They can start to perform in new ways, see themselves in new ways, and see people who don't typically look like them or don't come from their neighborhood in a new ways. So that's that's just a game changer for young people. But what it also does, it connects you know some of our affluent counterparts or some people who may not have the opportunity to engage with young people from inner cities or people from inner cities period. It gives them an opportunity to um, widen their horizon and for them to develop new ways and new attitudes, of what it means to work with different types of people and what it means to be inclusive and how does um, different people and different characters really impact the dynamic, you know, the, di- the, the whole dynamic of the workplace and the team. So it's, it's allowing people to just get more intimate, which I think is what's really needed to kind of change the world and a protect, change the culture of all this separatism that we see.
0: One of the first events I came to All-Stars for and I saw, I said, you're master trainers. You know, as, a, as, a, as somebody who coaches and develops people, I'm sitting here watching how your program brings so much out of young people. And I think about performance and the power of play, because you all have a, a lot of fun as you do it, you know. And then I also think over on the other side, you know, I talked to an HR director the other day who told me we don't want this to be fun. This is work. And I, I guess I just want to hear like a little, maybe there's some secret sauce that you can share with everybody out there today. Cause by the way, you're also working with the next generation of worker who Yeah. Um, this is their workforce. Any, any pieces of advice or on that front?
1: It's so funny, Sam. Like I, I have so many conversations like this. We actually have a part of our business in changing and pivoting we've had companies who have come to us and actually ask us about this like how can you help us support our, our dni how can you help us think about diversity and inclusion within our work with our employees and what we talk about in that same space is okay well we're really good at creating and setting up environments where people can have hard conversations and build lasting relationships and we do that through performance and i've literally had conversations where people are like that seems pretty like fluffy you know, we're like, wait, wait, don't don't let the play fool you. There is a sense of serious play. There is a sense of like, you know, really building and creating with people. So that way, the burden of getting something right, right? Like really listening to build, really being in something to create, is a, it's a game. It, it makes that, a, it's a real good game that allows people to not be burdened with like, who's right, who's wrong, what didn't work? How did it work? It's more about like, what are we building together? What can be created out of this experience? And if you play around with that and you play around with the concepts, you play around with improv, which is this whole idea to build on with whatever you got. This, this is why this works really, really well with you know young people who are growing up in disadvantaged environments. When you have to improv your life every day, what would it mean to literally build with chaos? how do you how do you create with crap? you know, and if people can take that into their work, you know, employers can take that into because what 2020 gave us so much chaos to create with, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So you know really, how do you play how do you how do you really look at what it means to perform in new ways? and I, I guess our secret sauce in that is your approach to it, the method to it is yes and. Your, 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 your method is fully radically accepting something, accepting what somebody gave you, accepting the offer or finding the offer in what somebody gave you, which sometimes is not easy to see. Like what, what is the offer in this crisis? Well, I'm gonna tell you, Sam, there's been a bunch of offers that we've seen out of this crisis. One is we're learning that, you know, geographically, we probably shouldn't be limiting ourselves anymore in this new workspace. But if we didn't want to play, if we didn't want to improv this moment, we would have been stuck. You know what I mean? We would have been stuck trying to do the same things we've been doing for 40 years in this crazy, chaotic environment. So you kind of got to look at things in this in a playful, in a serious playful manner around performance and improv.
0: I don't understand business leaders who don't get the applicability of that, the value of, it's almost like those hidden credentials that exist if you know how to tap into it the right way.
1: Yeah, that's what we were talking about just now though, in terms of like why it's such an untapped talent pool. I mean, young people who learn how to build with crap or build with chaos or build with obstacles that are are beyond what they could have woke up this morning and think about, I mean, what kind of, the capacity that takes, (laughs) the capability, that young people or your new workforce can have in, in solving your hardest problems or um, learning how to ask for support in particular ways so you can team up with people and solve some hard things. Like, I agree. I think that's, that's the game changer in it.
0: You, you joined us for our compete event. To your point on a future of work where it looks like everybody, how are we doing? What do we need to do better?
1: Mm, how are we doing it's an interesting point of view um I think we still got some work to do (laughs) but I mean one of the phenomenons that I've been able to be privy to at least working at the all stars is everybody's responsible for the future of work everybody like it's not a um it's not a okay you know Kids got to figure out what to do next, or the employers got to alone figure out what to do next. I mean, a part of our virtual internship program, which is really cool, is that we got people who are hitting us up, and they're saying, like, "Hey, I heard you guys did an internship program. We don't even know how to do like remote working for us. Like, can you help? Like, can you help us just get there? Um, you know?" So, so what i what I'm appreciating about this moment is that everyone is needed. Cross sector, everyone is needed for the future of how we're going to work, and I'm not sure that everybody's been invited yet. I, I I think we're getting there. Like I think there's some things that are coming up. Like there's some there's some really cool collaborations and really cool um, instances where you see. Different sectors saying, hey, there's something we gotta do together to create a better way of living, to create better lives for everybody, not just me, not just you, not just black, not just brown, but for everybody. Um, and that comes up all the time. Like I I I love, you know, New York Jets knocked on our door last year and was like, Hey, we want to work with y'all and we want to work with you on social justice. And that's that's what I'm like, we need a lot of that to happen, a lot of like out-of-the-box people. Coming together, you got this, this national football organization who's like, hey, you, <laughs> like, hey, you, you know, you national nonprofit. Like, I, I think there's some things we can do together to help create a better way of living for everybody. So when you talk about, like, you know, what, what is needed or what it what it, it should look like in the future, I think we have some ways to go in regards to. Having everybody see what's possible, and have everybody being able to even act on those opportunities when they are possible. And I think there are some employers. There's people like you. There's you know, there's people that we work with on a daily basis. There's different types of collaborations with nonprofit people. There's um, you know, people from the community who are all signing up to say, "Hey, we don't have the answers. Like, let's not let's not even think about the solution today." let's let's how about let's just get together and start having some hard conversations that will point us in a direction so we can build and create with with what we have. you know I think there is a lot of conversation I get at least from my point of view where people are like, hey, the number one answer is we should work towards this, educate everybody. All young people need to be education. the key is in education. And I'm like, love education and death. I believe in it. <laughs> But key is the 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 key is not education alone. Education is not the silver bullet, you know. Out of poverty not the silver bullet to a better workforce. It's just not. It's that alone. It just doesn't cover a myriad of other issues. You know what I mean? That we have, um, but development, people being more developed to be able to see and act on possibilities. People being more developed. And not talking about just to disenfranchise, I'm talking about, you know, employers, I'm talking about corporate America, I'm talking about everybody kind of taking a moment and recognizing that they have more to give, and everybody has something to give to this, um, and they, there's a way to listen so you can build with one another. I think that's going to take us a lot further in not only the workforce, but just, again, like a, a better America.
0: I've learned since working with organizations like all stars and and others just here in Newark, even that the it's all, it's hard and you have to do hard stuff. And I've even seen it in the last few months, you know, it's obviously black history month. Mm -hmm. And we have a lot of companies we talk to who have talked to us about their new DEI initiatives and their new programs for the month. And, um, I guess the concern about all the, a lot of these programs is that they're just a check a box. They're a one and done. They, they don't have um, roots that go through the rest of the organization. I talked to someone the other day who, and they spent tens of thousands of dollars. You know, some of this training is super expensive depending on who you're going with. And the CEO didn't even show up to the training. And, You know, so I guess what, because there are folks who, you know, there are a lot of people who are maybe not, um, maybe don't know how to take action that are in leadership roles. What advice do you have for them? People who maybe are frozen by un, being unsure, maybe in the corporate culture where they don't know how much they can do. What can you do?
1: The, the first thing you have to recognize is that DNI, that it just doesn't go far enough. DNI are great tactics, but they're not culture changers. There has to be um, a, a shift in culture for things like DNI to even work. So, what, what I mean by that is it's one thing to get a bunch of people in a room who look different, but it means nothing if they don't know how to be together. Right? Like, <laughs> we got all the different colors, we got the, the colors of the rainbow, we got all different types of people in there, but when you put them together, how are they, how are they together? How do they connect? How do they talk? How do they create? How do they disagree? You know, you can invite a bunch of people. So then you have the inclusion part, you invite everybody, but all because you invited people doesn't mean people feel like they belong or they feel ownership to it. It's like, you know, I came to the party, I left, you know, like it's not, D and I are, are just by itself, their tactics. So what, what I'm really interested in, and as, a, as one of the leaders in this work, that you know, in terms of bringing people together, it's always been really important um, in creating growthful environments for people to be together in new ways. So it's not just like, hey, did you invite all the white people and all the black people and all the poor people and all the rich people? And the you know, it, it, <laughs> it can't just be that. It has to be, okay, so when we get together, how. How, how do you and I relate to one another? How do you see me? How do I see myself? Who, who am I in this role? Who am I in this conversation? How do I build with what you just said, even though I don't agree with it? And that's where performance is the great equalizer. That's why improv is so helpful. And it's not, again, it's not just, just this game. It really is a philosophy. It's a method. So when I hear something that somebody says that I don't agree with or I don't like, you know what I do? i mean, what can you say more about that? I'm actually pretty curious about that or that's very interesting. Can you share with me a little bit more about how you came to that? Because that that performance of curiosity is going to allow us to get closer. It's going to allow that person to say, you know, well, that's interesting. I actually didn't think about why I thought that or I'm so happy you asked me why you thought that because my mother, my sister, my brother, you know, they they then give you an intimate recollection of why they came. And then maybe the both of you now have a new story to tell. There's so many people in our organization and there are partners who are on the opposite sides. I mean, we got cops, we got kids, we got Republicans, Democrats, we got, I mean, the full gamut, the full gamut of people support the all-stars. And that's one of the most beautiful, that's the gem of our work, because at the crux of that, we found a way for everybody to give who they are and and, and decide that they're still growing and becoming by way of how they relate to one another. So. I'm going to give you everything I got. But at the same time, as I grow my relationship to, with you, Shadei, who might be different than me or this, whoever, whoever you are in the conversation, today, I'm also growing by way of that relationship. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So It's, it's very multifaceted.
0: What, what do organizations tell you? You work with the, I mean, some pretty huge organizations in the New York area, in Jersey area. What, what do they say after an intern from your program completes their internship with them? Are there any outcomes that they, that they say that they reach back out to you and their feedback that yes. um, is justification for why everybody should be doing what, you know, the work you're doing?
1: Absolutely. I mean, I, I, my favorite feedback from, you know, most of our partners, we have partners at, you know, RBC and PSCG, um, you know, right here in Nork, We have uh, partners like at Broadridge and all, you know, JP Morgan and EY and these wonderful fortune 500 companies. And then, and we also have wonderful, you know, I call them boutique partners from, you know, um, like you or video or, you know, different organizations like that. And one of the biggest um, surprises they have is how much they grow. That's number one. The biggest thing I hear from our our employers or their supervisors is like, I knew, I thought that I was here to impact their life, but little did I know, (laughs) I'm the person who ended up changing. I'm the person who ended up having a different outlook because our work with them is not about skill building for our kids, which most internships are about, and don't get me wrong, it's beautiful when people's skills get um, built, but we get to intersect ideas and issues and concerns that come up in people's everyday lives that they never... They don't have time or the or the support to get through. So when you have a kid that's coming late every day, let's just say that you have a kid that's coming late every day, and your first inclination in a professional space is like, well, maybe they don't really want to be here. Maybe they're not motivated. You know, you have all these assumptions, and then they come and call me or they call somebody that's a part of the program. They're like, hey, listen, you know, Jesse, Jesse, I don't think is working out here. You know, he doesn't come he doesn't come to school uh, come to work every day. And then when you start talking to her about, you know, well, how did you get to that assumption? And where do you think about that? And you start learning that, you know, well, let's have a conversation with Jesse, who takes care of his niece, his sister, his brother, takes his mom to, you know, works first. Like Jesse has a life of a 30, 40-year-old, you know, before he comes to comes to the internship. And you start saying, wow, my biases, my, my, my assumptions took me. For a loop. It took me way way beyond what I thought was needed in this moment. So I've had people tell us again that it's helped them grow and develop as a person and how they want to be in their life. And on the flip side, our young people, um, a lot of feedback we get from our young people or about our young people is their eagerness. Like a lot of our employers want to hire our kids as a part of their pipeline. I, I, I have organizations who have now embedded the All-Stars Project internship program as a part of the talent pipeline, like Lowenstein Sandler, for instance, they are, they're like, listen, this, this program supports kids in a new way to be at work with us, to be with us and create team dynamic. Um, and they've adopted our methods as a part of, you know, the way they, they recruit for, for new hire. So I think that they're learning or people are learning that it's not always the skills. It's not always about skills. Especially with our young people. Our young people who are coming from these particular areas, especially now when everybody's out of work and people are being laid off and things like that, it can't only be about skill set because everybody got skills. I think what's needed in the future of work or when we return to work, our kids need to make sure that they have deep, long lasting relationships. Um, a larger network, they need to be connected to people outside of their, you know, comfort zone because it's going to be more than ever who you know versus what you know when we when we return to work. And our kids are already disadvantaged in that space. They're already isolated. Our poor Black and brown kids don't have, you know, families and things like that who are in, in, in these particular places that, are, that have access to the mainstream. So it's our job to connect them as much as we can to different different types of people, different industries. Um, Now that we're not geographically limited, we get to do that. So I, I'm just saying that to say, you know, before we knew that skills was not something that our employers were like, oh my God, it's all about skills. They're more interested in like the fact that, oh my goodness, this person was able to create this for us or, or push us along in this way. And now more than ever, I think that we're going to see that skills is not the number one determining factor for hiring um, young people, especially young people from poor backgrounds.
0: Last, last question, last question uh, that I have for, you mentioned people that are out of work or looking for the next opportunity. Obviously COVID, you know, decimated certain industries and displaced and future of work trends got accelerated and, and so on. What what advice do you have to any young people that might be listening, who are at home? And you mentioned now uh, you have virtual internships yeah. opportunity to you can almost meet people anywhere now a little bit easier. Yeah. I think. Um, any any advice you have for any young people out there that are thinking, you know, yeah, what should I be doing?
1: The truth is, you know, you just said it kind of like you know you can meet people anywhere. Um, but the truth is for young people, you still, they still need access, right? It's still like, well, how? Like, of course I want to meet people. Do I put, do I post it up on Facebook? Hey, I'm willing to meet you. Like, you know, like what, what exactly, how do you do that? So my, my biggest advice is to, um, yes, connect with coaches and, and mentors and, and well, you know, all different types of people. I mean, this, this might sound weird. I, I don't want to just plug us, but we have this amazing, like, development coaching program that got created because of what you're saying right now, like kids saying to us, hey guys, we need support to continue meeting new people that's gonna take us new places with them. And we were like, wow, how are we gonna do that when we're all locked inside our houses? So we created this amazing program that spans across the entire nation. In fact, it's even international. We have people from Canada and a person from Paris who have signed on to be coaches to our kids who, have one-on-one interfaces with them virtually on, once a week for about an hour, for about six weeks. And they are literally working on whatever. I mean, they can be working on something that's work-related. They can be working on something that's social and emotional. But the truth is, what makes this particular partnership so important is that it's not really only or just for the adult to mentor important to the young person. So we are, we're, not a, we're not a mentoring agency. We actually are um, we're a development agencies. So what we're what we're looking is for both sets of two-way development. So what's happening is coaches who are adults who want to get more intimate and understand more about what's going on in the world become more worldly. They sign up for this program to get to know people, and in and by way of that they learn and meet with a couple of young people and young adults from across the nation. And young people get to work with these wonderful partners and and adults and getting to know them, getting to know how their life was like, their background, how did they get to where they're at and blah, 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 blah. And at the end of it, they create this relationship that will definitely support young people in um, networking and and being a part of the workforce when that time comes around. And it also allows our adults to learn more about what it's like to grow up in different places. Um, So I think that's important. And then the other thing is, you know, get internships, get, do volunteer work, get involved where you can in terms of getting experiences that are unlike um, any ones that you ever had. I think kids sometimes get bogged down in thinking that they know exactly what they want to do. And they might, you know, they might know exactly at 12, I know I want to do this. Um, That doesn't mean that, All those other options and opportunities and things that are far outside your comfort zone aren't going to help you build towards the thing that you think you really want to do at 12. (laughs) You know what I mean? So um, those are my two, like, join us for development coaching and definitely get some volunteerism and internship experience doing all different types of things.
0: Totally. Today that was great. Thank you for making time.
1: It's always a pleasure. It really is.
0: The concept that young people from poor communities improv every day really hit home with me. As I, as I think about our workforce and our environment, what we as leaders want in the people around us, man, we need people that can improv more than ever. I've been excited to get Shade on the pod, and I was excited ever since she joined us this summer for Compete 2020. It was One of those first ever live event on the future of work. We had hundreds of leaders in every industry join us for Compete. And at the end of every session, I'd ask them all one question, and it was, what is your hope for the future of work? We had hundreds of great answers, but today's is one of the most powerful of them all. She said, quote, I'd love to see us go past just diversity and inclusion and get to a space of belonging and ownership. I'd love for the future of work to look like everybody who's part of it and as you've seen in this podcast episode, Shadeh is one of the people turning that hope into a reality. It's great that so many companies have gotten serious about DEI over the past year, but I think sometimes we make a little progress and we think, okay, great, I'm done, I do what I needed to do, look how much more diverse our organization is. But,
1: like Shadeh said, it has to go further than that because... It's one thing to get a bunch of people in a room who look different, but it means nothing if they don't know how to be together. And I think that's where the belonging and ownership
0: piece comes in. Once we truly know how to be together and how we ingrain equity into every aspect of our organizations, then we can reach the place Shade talked about. A place of true belonging and ownership where the future of work genuinely looks like everybody who's part of it. So thank you for joining us today, Shade. It was great having you on the pod. Don't forget to subscribe to bring it in and check back next week for brand new episodes featuring new guests and topics on all things future of work Are you or your organization interested in getting more involved and learning more about the All-Stars Project or the work Day and her national team are doing in local communities? Or is your company interested in offering maybe a summer internship for young people that come through the All-Stars? You will not be disappointed. If so, head on over to allstars.org to learn more about the All-Stars Project. That's allstars.org. You know how to spell it. And if you miss your day and compete, then you're in luck because we're actually releasing a book on compete that's coming out soon. You'll get more details about that on the next few episodes to Bring It In. So join us next week for exciting things to come. And now, back to work.